What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Through the Process. Hope you guys have been amazing, and I hope we have been making a lot of great progress with our struggles. And um, I actually want to tell you guys a story today that's actually pretty cool. And again, like I told you guys a couple episodes ago, if you know me, I love to tell stories. So those are fun. But um, this story, um, there was this minister um, now there's some changes as to whether he was a minister or not, or he just liked to preach, but there was a very devout Christian man. And there was this massive storm that had hit the town that he was living in. And so there was this big flood, the flood hits everywhere. It's just nightmarish pandemonium. Boom. He gets washed out to sea. All right. And, um, while he's out there, this guy comes up in a little canoe, like a rinky dink canoe. And he says, Hey, I recognize you pastor. Um, you want to go ahead and hop in the canoe and I, I can go ahead and take you to shore. I'm headed that way right now. And he goes, no, 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 no. My God will help me. God will, he'll protect me. He'll save me. Then he's like, okay, no problem. And so he keeps going. And then the second person comes up and then this guy whips around in a motorboat. And this is like, after a while, he's like just sitting in the water, like, it's clear that he is treading water. He needs help. So this guy comes up in a motorboat. And it's like, hey, man, I, I recognize you. Do you do you need some help? Do you want to hop in here? I'm getting ready. to. We're getting out of here. It's getting pretty bad out here. And he's like, no, don't worry. I've already prayed. Ask God. The Lord will save me. Everything will be OK. All right. Don't worry. You're good. Keep going. Keep going. And so the guy's, I mean, he's still, still sitting there waiting water and thinking, yeah, I'm still I'm waiting for God to help me. He's going to protect me. He's going to save me. Then this giant levee breaks and now the water really comes flooding in. Like it's just like, right. Um, that's a funny sound effect. It's like, so the water's coming in and then a helicopter got a helicopter comes down. They let down the ladder like, Hey man, come on up. We're getting out of here. It's just getting bad. Um, there's no way you can swim out of this. So we're here to save you. Let's see how he goes. No, it's okay, guys. I already told the other two guys, my God is going to save me. Everything is safe. Everything is okay. You guys are good. Go help somebody else. You're good. So the helicopter's like, uh, okay, this is up. But, and he leaves. The guy does not make it. He actually drowns, which in my personal opinion would be one of the worst ways to go. But yeah, he drowned and he gets to heaven. And the first question he asks God is, hey, why didn't you save me when I asked you to when I was in the water? And God was like, did the two boats in the helicopter not give you like a hint? I, I sent those things to save you and you would never accept the help or you didn't recognize that I was trying to help you. Now, you've probably heard that story before in some shape, form, or fashion. And it's um, it's actually a pretty great parable. <laughs> it's, it's a good one, too. Uh, the guy did not recognize that the help that he had been asking for was there. Okay, say it again. He did not recognize that the help he was asking God for, that he was praying, God, please help me, was literally there. It showed up three different times in three different ways he didn't recognize so he didn't the canoe it wasn't a dead giveaway okay man I, god's just gonna probably pick me up and it'd be fine motorboat same thing Eh, helicopter and eh, don't worry this is gonna be a miraculous healing it's gonna happen it's gonna be amazing it's called miraculous saving it's gonna happen it's gonna be amazing right he was expecting god to just snap his fingers and pick him up and drop him on land right but god did not do it that way 
God still sent him help, but he did not recognize that God was there trying to help him until it was too late. Now, let's compare this to what we're talking about. We're talking about getting free from pornography and from addiction and stuff. And so there comes a time in your struggle where you are just exhausted and you are done and you're like, okay, God, I physically need help. Like, I need help. I need you to help me with this thing. I need you to help me out of this thing. And a lot of the times we're always expecting God to just snap his fingers and then the taste is out of our mouth and we're done with it. I've expected that so many times. And I mean, I did. And so you may be in a position right now where you're expecting that right now. And it may not be that way. I knew a guy. um, He was a cousin of mine. He was um, dealing with the whole pornography thing, too. Or he actually had had watched some and then my grandmother at the time found out and she prayed over him and said she was like hey, we speak against all the demons and all that stuff like that and then what happened was he said he looked at it once and he got nauseous he, said, he goes i got physically sick that is an example of god instantly taking the taste out of his mouth it happens but sometimes it doesn't happen that way sometimes god sends you things to help you to get you on the track that you need to be on to um to answer that prayer, hey, I need help, God. I need you to help me from this. I need you to free me from this. He sends you the stuff that you need to help you, but it doesn't look the way you think it's going to look. And so you've probably heard that people talk about God being the Holy Spirit is like a gentleman and stuff like that. The Holy Spirit is there to help you to be like, hey, you should not do that. Don't do that. Um, you can ignore him after so long. And when you do ignore him for so long, then he just kind of stops talking and goes, I'm just going to step back and let you do your thing. But what's cool is there is um, this scripture that I found, and I was like, man, I had never seen the scripture before in my life. And it's from the book of Isaiah. Okay. Now check this out. It says, therefore, the Lord will wait. Okay. He will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him, for the people shall dwell in Zion at at Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry, at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Therefore, the Lord will wait. So what it's saying is he's going to wait. And when he hears you cry out to him, he will help you. He will answer. He will be there. He will show grace. He will show mercy. A lot of the times when we're dealing with this thing, we are expecting God to snap his fingers and it's gone. But sometimes it's the small things. You have to recognize it. I cannot tell you how many times I was like, God, please free me from this thing. I'm so tired of it. I got to get I got to get out of this thing. And it took a while for me to recognize, oh, I did ask for help. And this is how he was helping me. Um, The first thing was. Again, when I said, hey, you get to a point where you're making a conscious decision to to jump back into that thing. Um, step one was taking away the addictive uh, response, the clammy hands, the the heavy heartbeat, uh, the whiteout, the black, the blank mind, the going through the motion. Step one was, hey, I'm going to make you aware of what you are doing. So he gave you a cho- he put the choice back in it. A lot of people that deal with addictions. There's a there's a moment where, again, like I said, there's a moment when you're dealing with this thing where it is not fun anymore. It's not fun to keep doing what you're doing. You feel like you feel like the world is on your shoulders, like you feel so shameful, you feel dirty, you feel ick. And you're like, man, this is horrible. 
And again, like I said, people say if you're sinning and it's not fun, you're not doing it right. And I told y'all guys, like I told y'all this, I told you last time I'm taking it right now. There's a moment when with this type of thing, with this type of sin, this cycle where it is not fun. Okay. It is not fun after a while. Okay. Now, step one in that help is he starts to make you aware. Step two is he starts putting people in your life. Um, and we'll talk about accountability partners next time, but he starts putting people in your life to ask you those hard questions. Hey, did you look at XYZ last night? When was the last time we did this? Now, here's the thing. You got to be willing to answer that question and you got to trust those people with the answer. Because if the answer is, man, it was last night, man, honestly, it was two seconds before you asked me. You got to trust them with you got to trust that they're able to handle that vulnerability. And there is a flip side of being an accountability partner, too. And again, we'll talk about that next week. Accountability will be will be what we will talk about uh, next week from both sides, what it means to find an accountability partner and what it means to be an accountability partner. Um, and so anyway, back to asking for help. You have to recognize it in the small things. Out, oh, it just hit my hand. You have to recognize it in the small things when God is actually helping you. Um, and sometimes it'll be a, oh, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. Sometimes when you're in that dark room, that secret place that you're looking at stuff you should look at, it will be something as simple as the air conditioning unit kicking on and scaring you and startling you. It will be the dog randomly barking for no reason. It will be the cup falling or it will be you being super hyper aware of what's going on in the moment. It will be someone texting you at a random time. It will be a random notification in your phone that says something to the effect of you are free. Stand, stand, stand and be free at 3 a.m. every day, 3 a.m. in the morning. I get a, a calendar request like a calendar alert on my phone, it says, Christ has made you free. Stay free. Okay, at 3 a.m. Then I get another alert at, I believe it's 9 p.m. or 9 a.m., but it says you can beat it. It's at 9 a.m. It says you can beat it. And so I set those in my phone. I can't even remember when I set the whole Christ made you free, staying free at 3 o'clock in the morning. I can't remember when I said that, but I know for a fact I said that because at three o'clock in the morning, I wake up at 3 a.m. And I really believe it's because you're supposed to be praying at three o'clock in the morning. When you wake up at three o'clock in the morning, that's the last watch. God is calling you to pray, intercede for your family, for your friends, for whatever it is you're attached to. That is the moment when you intercede. But I set that at three o'clock in the morning to remind me that when I hey, when I was up and if I wasn't praying and I was starting to look at something I shouldn't look at, boom. That was God helping because you don't just you're not going to be like, you know what? I'm going to put this in my phone like no one does that. No one does that when you're when you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. You're enjoying. You're not going to be like, I'm just going to have this moment of validity. And I'm just going to put it in my phone. No. What happened was God grabbed your heart one night while you were praying, reading your Bible at a church service in the car, wherever it was. And you were prompted to put in that notification and you put it in there. And for whatever reason, you never deleted it. And it keeps showing up. Every single day, it is a reminder, hey, stop doing that. You've been made free. So it's going to be in those small moments. Um, it's also going to be in the moments where God brings back a scripture. It's going to be in those small tugs on your heart that says, hey, stop doing that. I love you. Quit. 
don't do that. And it's going to it's going to be in those moments. I'm telling you guys, it's going to be in the small things. The small things you have to recognize when he's helping you. And if in the problem, the go back to the the analogy, when you don't recognize when he is helping you, and you get past all of this stuff, and then when you realize it, it's too late. It kills you. You've hit rock bottom. When you hit rock bottom, that's when all those other moments of, man, I asked you for help. They start coming back. Uh, I, I, I try to stop you here. 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 When God hits you to rock bottom, when the Bible says fall on the rock and be broken, lest the rock falls on you and crushes you. He does not want you to get to that point of being crushed. He wants you to fall on the rock and be broken. He gives you every single moment to fall on that rock and be broken. He gives you every single way out, every single step, every single uh, door is open for that because he knows, hey, man, I don't want you to be crushed. I want you broken so I can help you either way, whether you're crushed under the weight of the rock or you're broken because you fell on the rock. No matter what, both scenarios end with him healing and restoring you. They can 100 percent do it. The difference is this. When you're falling and you're broken on that rock that you, hey, it hurts. You're going to be restored when you are crushed under that rock. It, it gets a little bit bigger. Great example. I know of a pastor. I'm not going to say any names, um, but. He had a massive church. Now, um, he fell into some stuff. And again, fall on the rock and be broken. He had all of these opportunities, all of these opportunities to see the small moments where God was trying to help him to kind of, hey, man, you're, you're missing it. Hey, man, you're missing it. And at first it was this massive church that he had went from thousands and thousands of people and massive influence in his city to dwindled down to there's no one in your kids department anymore dwindled down to hey we don't really want you to come and speak anywhere else anymore dwindled down to hey there's only 30 people in this massive church that seats 2000 listen to that dwindled down all the way to where there's only 30 people I'll tell you some more. So I'll tell you some more small steps of, hey, I'm trying to get you broke. I'm trying to help you. It was, hey, you got no money to pay the bills. Wake up call, wake up call, wake up call. And he never woke up. And that moment when the rock fell on him and he was crushed was when he was no longer in that massive church, but he was having church out of a dollar tree. I'm not knocking having church out of a dollar tree, but I'm like, my Lord, please see it, recognize it. Because guess what happens with the second that he recognizes it and God restores him? First of all, I cannot. I would love to see that testimony because that's going to be insane. God, I was here. I fell into sin. I got prideful. I didn't recognize the help when God kept trying to get my attention. I didn't repent. I didn't say, God, please help me get out of this because I was stuck and I was in my shame and I was in my pride, which we're going to talk about that in a couple seconds. And then I fell and all this other stuff happened. When he gets to that point and you hear that testimony, that's going to be the most powerful testimony that you have ever heard from somebody. And God wants you to be, he will, hey, fall on him and be broken. Don't let him fall on you and crush you. If he gets to that point, that's fine. You still be restored if you want to be restored. But hey, again, like I said, recognize the small moments when he's trying to help you. Now, what porn wants you to do is it doesn't want you to ask for help. Here's what happens. Okay. And we're going to cover this in a later episode. Um, but what happens is this. 
you mess up, you make a mistake, right? You fall into sin. You look at something you shouldn't look at. You feel dirty. You go, man, I can't believe I did that. And you do that for a couple days. And I mean, a couple days turns into a couple weeks. A couple weeks turns into, hey, it's been like four months and there's not been a day I've not looked at porn. That's what that looks like. That's a cycle. That's when you're stuck in that low, that low cycle. And what happens is this. You feel so dirty, so rotten to the core that you won't even ask God for forgiveness. Guys, my Lord, you get so low that you won't ask him for forgiveness. That's how bad this thing is, man. That's what porn wants to do. That's what the devil wants to do. That's what this demon wants to do, man. It wants to keep you isolated to where you will not even ask God for forgiveness. Because the Bible says it's very clear. Call unto me and I call call unto me and I will answer. I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you to the ends of the earth. Right? If you repent, even I am he, I will blot out your transgressions. And for my own sake, I will not remember your sins. Oh, my gosh. Let this cup pass me, God. But nevertheless, your will, not my will. He took your place. All we have to do is ask. But we feel so much shame from this thing is you don't want to ask for forgiveness. You'd rather go to sleep terrified, afraid. In the shame, wake up the next morning. Again, the shame sets in so much. You feel like you have to do something to feel something. And so you get back into that cycle and you look at something you shouldn't be looking at. It wants you isolated. If it can get you isolated, you will not ask for help. And if you won't ask a human for help, you surely will not ask God for help. And someone may think it may be the reverse. If you won't pray and say, God, help me, you'll really want to ask a human person to help. But let me tell you this. Step one is Stopping and asking for help. If you make a mistake and you are in that deep, dark cycle, you're in that cycle that you can't break. You know what I'm talking about? That relapse where it feels like it's lasting forever and ever and ever. And you're like, man, this is just going and going and going. And you wake up and you look at it. You go to bed, you look at it, you look at it during the middle of the day. You look at it at lunch break. You look at it here. You look at it there. You always look at it. It's always on your mind. You're, you're swiping looks here and there. That's that cycle. That is that cycle when you sit on the couch and you're just mad and you're angry and you lose taste for everything. You don't want to watch news. You don't want to play the games. You don't want to play with your kids. You don't want to talk to your wife. You don't want to talk to anybody. You're just there. You are just in that mode and everything just feels horrible. You're not hungry anymore. You're not thirsty anymore. All you do is you get up, you go to work, you go to sleep, get up, go to work, you go to sleep. You barely function that type of cycle that you are looking at that stuff so much that you cannot be the best you that is when you have to stop and you have to ask for forgiveness you have to say god please help me i need your help because again like i said you're not having fun at that moment you're not doing this because oh this is the fun thing you're doing it because hey i am stuck in this cycle i am using this because it's like medicine right now it's the only thing that i trust it's the only thing that to me is consistent and there's deeper issues there guys but that is when you start asking for help that's when you say god i need your help that's what the bible says he says i will wait but when i hear your cry i will help you david was a man after god's own heart i would guarantee we don't know the things that david fell into all, we don't know all of it. We know about Bathsheba. We know about Uzziah. But did anyone catch that moment? 
when David was older, before he died, they put a young girl in his bed. And when he did not touch her, they said the king is dead. This man was such a man whore that they put a girl in his bed. And when he didn't touch him, they said, oh, he's already gone. They judged that based off of that. What tells me what that tells me is this right here. David had a had a problem. He had a lust problem. But he was still a man after God's own heart. And I said, well, David's in heaven today because no matter what, when David felt himself getting in that cycle, he did everything he could do to continue running back. He did not let it keep him down. He kept running back to the father. He kept running back to the cross. He kept on. He kept on. He kept on. He kept on. Psalms 51 is a great scripture to read. It's a great scripture to have memorized. Um, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's the thing that David sung. It's a song that David sung to God after he had sinned with Bathsheba, got his friend, his, his mighty man killed. And the prophet Nathan came and melted his face off, ripped his face off. That is something I would recommend you put in the back of your pocket. It is Psalms 51. I personally, I'm a KJV in KJV person and amplified Bible person. I would read it in the NKJV to me as the best translation of it. But at any rate, Psalms, 51. That's the one that you want to look at. Okay. Um, you, you can be a man after David's own heart after, sorry, a man after God's own heart, just like David, David made a mistake. He kept running back. He was a man after God's own heart because he kept running back to God. There's a song called run to the father. There's a, a, um, a, a tag. I think it's the bridge or something like that. Forgive me. You musicians out there. It says, my heart has been in your sight long before my first breath. Running into your arms is running from life to death. My heart has been in your sight. He's paying attention to you guys. He's looking at you. His grace and his mercy, they are chasing after you. They're chasing you. Grace and mercy. Hey, come here. Come here. Come here. Hey, come here. Come here. They're chasing you. If you let that sink in, that grace and mercy, they are physically running after you. Oh, my goodness. They're not running away from you. They're running to you. Porn wants you to forget that. I told you guys, I believe it's a gateway to a whole bunch of other things. It wants you to forget that. Because if I can keep you in that cycle, again, I told you what we want to take from you. I can take away your purpose from you. I can take away your love. I can take away your confidence. I can take away what makes you you. And I can make you a shell. And I can make your existence here on earth useless. And then I can get you to a place where you take yourself out and you miss all that God has for you. So the little things, guys, pay attention to the little things. And right now, I guarantee you're probably thinking, man, here was a little thing here. Here, You start. I pray, God, please allow this to be a moment where you guys are hearing the small things. And if you haven't done it right now, guys. Take take a moment and ask God right now, God, please. And here, if you don't know what to say, I'll tell you what I said. God, I'm sick of this nonsense. OK, I feel disgusting. I feel horrible. This sucks. I need your help. I have asked you for help multiple times and I don't feel like you're helping me. Please, God, help me. You help everybody else. Please help me. That's the prayer that I prayed. I can say it over and over again like that because I've said that multiple times. That's how I know it by heart. That's the prayer that I prayed. You can pray that prayer. And if you don't want to be that open and raw about it, God, please help me with this. I need I physically do need your help. Like I seriously need your help. And he'll start helping you.
but you got to pay attention to the moments. You got to pay attention to the small things. You have to. Um, another thing that will help you guys out is reading your word. Stay staying in the Bible. I recommend reading Galatians chapter five, or sorry, the entire book of Galatians front to back, because that is God is He Jesus is our freedom. I one hundred percent recommend you read that book. Um, but I do want to leave you guys on this note, on a happy note. It says stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's Galatians 5, verse 1. You guys got this. I believe in you. God loves you. I love you. You can do this, guys. I'll see y'all next week. We're going to talk about accountability. But you can do it. I'll see you guys later. And